Welcome to the Intermediate Podcast, coming to you on... Now, I'm struggling with the date. On Saturday the 29th. (laughs) I was going to say today's date when you were searching, so it's a good thing that you caught yourself quick. (laughs) Uh, I furiously had to move my magnetic pencil case away from my calendar. Uh, So yeah, uh, today is Saturday the 29th. We are coming to you from the past, and I am Weiss, Uh, I'm in Los Angeles, I draw, and I talk with Angel. And I'm Angel, and I don't draw, and I don't talk with Angel. Well, if you don't do it, who will? You. (laughs) You got a point. (laughs) First thing I want to say, before listening to the podcast, we recommend watching a thousand one nights it's only about 20 minutes the link is below and then coming back it's only 20 minutes go check it out i had a really funny dream yesterday okay what happened so i was late for school i was in elementary but i was an adult and none of my family were able to drive me to school so joe rogan actually drove me to school he had his nephew Jamie oh my god in the pa- in the passenger seat and i was in the back seat and joe rogan kept falling asleep at the wheel so we almost crashed uh, one time on the freeway and i jumped forward passed him to grab the wheel and set us back on course and he said like what the hell are you doing kid i'm driving <laughs> And I was trying to struggle saying, you're falling asleep. You're falling asleep. We're going to crash. He's like, I'm the adult here. I got this. (laughs) And so I was in the back seat scared and he started falling asleep again, except this time we actually did crash and he was just bothered by it. And he was like, ah, the car. (laughs) So without, without him noticing I was so upset that we crashed that I jumped out of the car and I just started walking back home down the freeway. And I walked around this corner. Like, I was on the freeway, but there was a lot of flat land and there were trees nearby. So I was walking down. I turned around. I saw my grandpa following behind me for some reason. He was running like you saw parts of the Caribbean too, Dead Man's Chest. You didn't see that? Nope. Have you seen the trailer for that where Jack Sparrow's running from a bunch of people? Yep. So my grandpa was running just like that. And I was wondering what was going on. And my grandpa doesn't speak very much English, but he was saying, like, run away, run away. (laughs) (laughs) And Joe Rogan was behind him on horseback saying, there you are, kid. You know, I have to take care of you today. And he picked me up and put him, me behind him on his horse. And we eventually got to my school. But I don't remember much of my dream after that. That's crazy. Do dreams have meaning? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think there's something there. I'm curious to think about how much meaning there is in dreams. All right. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Weiss was just making a funny face, doing two peace signs at me with his tongue out. 
I think that dreams t- can tell you about your subconscious more than anything. Like maybe it not doesn't necessarily tell you about the world around you, but it tells you about where your mind is at, in some sense. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I just think that the the view of dreams as like something prophetic. Yeah, like I don't, I I don't buy into that because. People have all kinds of weird dreams, you know? Like, just just some people will have a dream that their significant other cheats on them, and then they'll be, like, pissed at that person. And, like, I don't think dreams have that kind of meaning, you know? Like, I, I think if you wake up from a dream where something traumatic happens uh, revolving someone that you know, I think it should just be like, whoa, that was crazy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but dreams come from somewhere inside of you, so they produce real feelings, uh, regardless of the other person. And I think that, to some extent, I think that all interactions are kind of like that, where it's really what you bring into it rather than the other person's part. So having a very vivid and powerful dream can still, even to a small degree, affect your relationship with another person. But is that, I think it's like an abstract form of how you already feel about that person somewhere inside of you. Yeah, uh, that's, that's true. Like I said, it's like the subconscious somewhere in you throwing pictures against a wall with things that you already have in your head. Yeah, like very impressionistic. Like if you imagine someone doing something bad to you then you already harbor some mistrust of that person. Even if it's not at the forefront of your mind, there's something there, you know? And that's enough to trigger uh, a scenario in your dreams. Man, uh, I've had some... (laughs) I've had some wild dreams, too. You talking about the Joe Rogan one makes me think about that that dream where i was just not myself i was like some other guy so it's 9 a.m i'm doing my work i i hear a big boom i look out the window and i see a large plume of smoke and i think to myself shit that's near the kid's school and i run out of my office i go tell my wife listen we have to go get the kids there's something happened so Do you know go, who your wife was? Uh, uh, that one actress with a with a dot right here. What's her name? No idea. Okay. Anyway. But uh, you recognized her. Vaguely. So I tell her, I tell her we have to go get the kids. So we get in the car, we go on the freeway, and on the fr- you know in Walking Dead when they go on the freeway, but there's like grass everywhere, and like there's grass in between the the north and south side of the freeway you know yeah yeah so it was like one of those freeways we were on the freeway there was a big pileup of like cars you know like just something happened traffic uh, a big oil tanker like just skidded on its side and caused a bunch of cars to hit it and crash so me and my wife had to get out of the car run on foot to the school and when we got there uh i told my wife 
All right, go to their classrooms, get the kids. Uh, I have some business to take care of. So I went to the principal's office and I go in there and he just looks at me with like a serious look. And I just ask him, is that what I think it was? And he just looks at me like shocked and nodding his head. So me and him know each other. Like we have this whole history together. And now we're coming out of like retirement from whatever badass things we did in the past. And we're called back to a new mission. That's fun. And then uh, I'd like to imagine the two of us go and we have to go get other people who were on our team out of retirement, get them for this job. Oh, so is that the position you were in? Like, I've got kids. I, I shouldn't need to deal with this. Like, but he nods at you. Like, you you know what's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Dreams are funny like that. How sometimes they can just put you somewhere that's a fully realized reality. And you're just plopped in there. If anything, it's interesting how it... See, I don't want to say something like it stretches the imagination muscles in your head because it feels like a completely separate part of the brain it's let's see does it reveal creativity does it it doesn't reveal creativity no it's a reflection of stuff that's already there um i think it's like a very loose very fluid part of consciousness that that like isn't even conscious of itself you know like that's that's something behind the wall of consciousness you know that's i think that's something more primordial it's not conscious let's see i like i like that phrasing it's behind the wall of consciousness imagine that consciousness is like a big drywall and you could pin notes to it and stuff but behind this drywall there's like imagine something like a big sewer system kind of river and stuff from the river like splashes up onto the back of the wall and gets it wet and soaks it. And this stuff can soak through and even just get the notes on the other side of the wall soggy. <laughs> like, cause I've experienced dreams where I wake up and I feel confused afterwards just because the dream was so vivid. That that analogy we just brought up makes me wonder, uh, like about dreams. What if it's what if consciousness is the wall, but it's actually a dam? A dam that holds subconsciousness back behind it. Because think about people who go crazy. I'm talking to one right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but please. Uh, Continue with your analogy. <laughs> it's it's consciousness that allows some of that other stuff to leak through. You know, a dam makes more sense than a piece of drywall in front of a sewer. And I don't like calling subconsciousness sewer water. <laughs> uh, the way I was thinking of it originally was it's the blood of the of consciousness, but... It's also its own thing. Okay, like, uh, mind is to body. No, body is to mind as 
God, I can't even make this analogy. It doesn't make sense. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, just just say the words, because that's how I was feeling with the sewage water thing. Uh, okay. Body to mind, consciousness to subconscious. I, I, f I feel like the the order of it is that. Or like that analogy. So like... I understand that. Or maybe body to soul. I think I prefer body to mind just because I, you know, of course, who knows what the soul is, but I think to a degree, understanding the soul as being your will and your awareness versus body and mind being real, soul being more ethereal. I don't know, conscious thought being a surface level and an outer layer. Uh, some people will not consider themselves beyond that, just like some people consider themselves just a body and are not very mindful. Yeah. And the subconscious, I think, is the same, where there's another aspect to yourself that you can be aware of. And behind the subconsciousness and even behind the mind, that's what I was trying to say I think the soul is, where the soul is. It's this awareness of these things that are this manifestation of yourself, but it isn't yourself. The awareness is more like that existence. It's dark and mysterious. Yeah. And scary for a lot of people, which is why a lot of people don't like to go into their subconscious. Yeah, just like the mind is dark and mysterious because it's trapped in your skull. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it dark. It's dark in there. I feel like there's people who don't really come to terms with who they are because they don't, they're not aware of what's going on in their subconscious. I think there's a couple parts to it. There's one, awareness, but then two, fear of the unknown. Because there's an inner world that some people just don't explore. Yeah, and f fear of the unknown. Yeah, it's like people are are afraid to interface with some of these things that like really terrify us and stuff that affects us deep down in, in such profound ways that we don't even know. Like we see it as just waves, but like there's things in your subconscious that cause that ripple that expands into a wave. And there's a lot of people who are afraid to let them there are people who are afraid to be vulnerable to themselves yeah and this kind of thing is not even a conscious effort for people to withhold from themselves in a lot of cases i believe cuz i know for myself personally that being mindful of who i am and thinking about this sort of thing it's not something that was in my realm of consciousness until I'd gone through a really dramatic experience, which for me was when, uh, in 2015, I got the opportunity to go to Nepal. Like, testing myself out there and going to that experience, uh, working on that documentary, it was very spiritual, and it was very insightful because it took me out of this environment that I've known my whole life to somewhere completely new and alien where people have a different way of life. And 
submerging myself into this completely other place and still living and breathing there, I feel like that brought a different awareness to myself as a person. Like the environment completely changed, but I was still there. And even then, I don't like phrasing it like that because it makes it sound more superficial, but it was a very spiritual experience going somewhere where it's a different culture than what we've been brought up in. Yeah, I feel like that in a sense, like cultures uh, such as those have a have a sense of exploring yourself and exploring within your own mind not even within your own mind just self yeah i mean i can't speak for you know the more urban areas the capital but it's a different rhythm of life a different kind of existing that you're doing there where like it's not even about immediate needs where you know just farming and eating it's just a well it it is about that but there isn't that much thought to it there's just a like a symbiosis with them in their environment you know yeah like it's a it's a more naturalistic kind of living is what i'm saying yeah and you, you know a lot of the time spent is with people and time not spent with people is time spent by yourself you know like there's not a, a lot of distractions for I, I know a lot of people who not having distractions that are very distracting you know like like we have over here like cell phones video games uh movies uh just like pastimes where we can completely shut our mind off and shut ourselves out to our subconscious thoughts um when you, when you don't have a lot of that there's there's a lot of time to reflect when you don't have those distractions so it's a, it's, it's a fascinating thing yeah like having having those introspective looks at the self uh that i think that's there just out of uh, being familiar with yourself and i think part of that is to do with how little distractions there are because their life is in their face yeah and i want to say there's a huge difference between like sitting down and observing yourself versus sitting down and thinking like there's a, yeah. there's a difference between those two things. It's like you said, it's sitting down and facing your life, what your life is. And you know, thinking is a different process than that. It's not like sitting down and facing what your life is. That's a more spiritual process of awareness, but thinking is a, uh, different more mechanical process hmm. i feel like I, I mean you can you can think and also be introspective at the same time but a, a lot of times or, yeah but clashes. it's more mechanical yeah that they, they clash a lot of the time sometimes it's kind of like your thinking is like a submarine going into the liquid of the subconscious yeah because you're thinking uh, okay this is what i was thinking about the thinking is like it comes from your brain. Thinking comes from the, that organ. And that organ, it's a part of your body. And it's about self-preservation. And it's about uh, like your life and your needs and these things. So, I mean, 
let me see. It's like it's like the idea of mind is body. Like thinking is still a biological part of us. Like it's an evolutionary part of us that we're able to think and have these internal dialogues and imagine and plan stuff out. So I guess that's really what I'm trying to say the difference between a spiritual kind of introspection versus a thinking kind of introspection. That thinking is more biological, whereas more, I don't even know about more genuine, but it's a different sort of introspection when you have a different perspective being introspective, but in a spiritual sense. Thinking is, is like mathematical. Thinking is very like seeing reality and being able to calculate what's what happens in the future. That's what thinking is. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to say something dumb, like thinking is like a lot of pop pop in the brain. <laughs> Neurons. Oh, yeah, I, I thought some dumb stuff when I was a kid. Uh, can't think of one right now, though. <laughs> That's pretty dumb. <laughs> uh, there's something i thought of i forgot right now you, you know i i had this i sometimes i have this thought about like primordial subconscious like that's a very that's a very primordial part of your brain that you explore and it tries to contextualize things to you like i, I wonder if that's what existence is like for very simple beings something similar to a dream yeah that that more simple living or when you started talking i was gonna say like caveman just very early man but I, i'm talking about like bacteria and stuff oh. like that well then those things don't even have a mind of their own i'd say or viruses. it's just it's it's just one-to-one -one existence you know but they they are still able to perform tasks, you know, like they're they're still organisms. I, I think the thing where, but I think it's a task at the end of the day. Well, th that's the thing that differentiates like vi. Oh, uh, well, they they still reproduce though. Hmm. It, I I feel like maybe conscious and subconscious for for beings that are not human is like more meshed together. Yeah, I agree. And part of that is the ability to like control our emotions and calculate plans. You know, like we're able to think. We're we're able to stand in the way of our subconscious. I think there's a lot of insight that you can get from spending a lot of time around animals, because that's what I was trying to say earlier. It's a more one-to-one -one existence, like when you spend time with a dog or a cat they have an internal world going on but it's not as nuanced as ours and nuanced i don't necessarily mean as a compliment nuanced just no, as yeah, an observation because with with our nuance things get foggy and muddy and and all mixed yeah. together but dogs and cats and other animals there's just by their nature there's a lot more honesty there because there's because the that internal world is less nuanced, there's really not much to hide. Yeah, because they, they they can't even put up a wall like that. Like they they can't even fake it off, you know. 
They can't lie. They can't pretend. Actually, I think that they can, like... Well, they, they, they can be... They can, but, like, I don't think... They're they capable can, of mischief. I don't think they can lie to themselves, though. That's the thing. No. Yeah, okay. Now I get what you mean. I was gonna say, they're capable of mischief. Like, dog hides the ball. Like, oh, where is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you're right. Being deceitful to themselves. That's interesting, because... You know, humankind is the only race that wars with themselves, and I think that's true on the large scale as well as the individual well, they're, scale. They're, they're also, uh, I mean, there's stuff similar to that. You know, like animals trying to take over territory, like that. That exists in nature. It's not just a man thing. Mm -hmm. Um, because of the way life is on our planet, life does not succeed without, uh destroying competitors in in a sense you know competitors just die uh weaker competitors just die off that's just the how life is in our world and i don't know what the point is that i'm making oh uh wait 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 yes i i think i do yeah so the the tougher beings are able to live and procreate and keep going and the more tough you are the more you're able to like just forget about what's going on and you know lie to yourself so you can just keep living and you know, people people are able to do that. And it, it makes me question, like, it, it's almost like humans being obedient to a bigger, uh, to a power bigger than themselves. Power bigger than themselves. And I, I don't mean God. Like, I, I can mean, like, like a, a society, you know, like uh, how a society acts as a thing upon itself. Like it has a lot of moving parts in it, but I think there is something something there about like the group as one, and I think that's something that people do, uh, where it's like our group is one, and they kind of shut themselves off and go with the flow of whatever's going on. I think you're right in the sense that it becomes its own organism in a way that each human's a part of, and it fights with a survival kind of fear yeah like like uh that's you know when you look at history you see some of the atrocities that have that are done uh it, it's almost like the people just give into civil they, they they give into their more animal animalistic nature and allow themselves to be governed by some bigger thing uh, being obedient you know to to that whatever other thing it is like that's that's how you get uh the people on the side of genghis khan that's how you get warriors uh, that's how you get vikings raping and pillaging villages you know like they're, they're a part of this thing that's bigger than themselves that's how, that's how you get nazis you know and i i feel like uh you're you're allowing your some of your consciousness to be kind of used by this other thing man yeah that's how you get people acting in ways that they may not even agree with they're able to lie to themselves oh i'm just doing what i have to oh i'm just i'm just part of this oh i gotta protect the people i work with oh uh this is who we're against okay that's the enemy i think there's a lot of that falling into groups like that 
it develops a pattern of thinking that makes whoever it is feel comfortable and have a sense of place. And honestly, I think that a lot of conflict can be boiled down to looking for love or a lack of love. Any any of these conflicts is about wanting a place to belong and protecting. I think that's the operative word, protecting, protection, uh, that a lot of different people use. Do you get what I mean? There's also abandonment of love. Well, yeah, it's still related to love. Yeah, but like, hmm, I think it's... I think it's getting so stuck up in a... I think part of it is also being just so stuck up in a pattern like, oh, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. And that has a lot to do with not observing the inner world and just relying on the outside world. Like, it's almost like sometimes once the gears get moving enough, they can't stop going and they start taking people with them. It takes a lot more energy to slow everything down yeah. once you get in, caught up in a pattern like that. Yeah, when you're in too deep. And I think that, I mean, of course I can only speak for myself, but I think that when lockdowns started a few months ago, that that was a very violent, uh, let's see, what's the word? It's not a violent awakening, but it it did greatly upset the rhythm of life that everyone is experiencing so for me it felt like an opportunity to look at this stuff that i had been caught up in like all the gears that had been turning that i was not thinking about patterns i'd got caught up in and to look at that which i again i was just caught up in whatever rhythm of life i was in so it wasn't something i was thinking about but it's it's interesting how a big world event like this is not an awakening. I don't know what other word to use other than a, an awakening. Because awakening implies going from one state to another. You know, sleep. It's a renaissance. For some, pe- for some people, this is a renaissance. Like a renaissance. Uh, like a renaissance, yeah. Because the renaissance represents that era of time when a bunch of new things were being explored and a bunch of new things were being uh, conceived of. And I think that's, again, like good for right now because some industries are struggling a lot right now. Some industries are innovating in different ways. And I think that people uh, either are doing the same or need to be doing the same. And, And the Renaissance came after the medieval period, you know, after a time of... The Dark Ages. The Dark Ages, yeah. Just... A time when ignorance was the status quo. Yeah, th- things have been going so steady at that point for a long time. Something had to give, something had to push forward. And out of it, something... Blo- out of that crack, something blossoms. Something new blossoms. And it moves humanity as a, as a thing... Or that society as a thing forward. And I think this is what a lot of people are uh, kind of trying to go through right now for themselves is, okay, I can't do a lot of the things I used to be able to. Uh, and that's that's really hard on a lot of people. Like, I, I struggle a lot with this. Uh, you struggle a lot with this. Uh, 
people we know have struggled a lot with this e even not even getting sick just just from the implications of staying indoors and some people are choosing to uh to not really reflect at themselves and I, I get that i get that it is scary that there are times when a, there's a lot of times where i reflect on myself and like it ends up going to more of a dark place and i i get why people are scared of that but i, I think it is still important to go there and for a lot of people it's dark just because they they they've never turned on the light in there you know yeah or it can also man there's a couple things i want to say right now it can also be dark just because i think that a lack of belief in yourself makes it dark in there also because i and i'm speaking from personal experience where i say that there's things inside of you that can scare you just because you believe that things outside of yourself have a lot of power over you when ultimately you need to recognize that you have the power to control your life rather than another person or an event that happened to you you're in control and that that other thing is it's an external factor and that's secondary to you in your lifetime and uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get too much into this but i don't have a great relationship with my mom and just one of the ways that i was able to move on from being so caught up in that was knowing that you know she's just another person that lives out here and you know my life's about me it's not about her and stuff that may have happened between us yeah at some point the the stuff that happens in your life like you, you can't it, it can't define you the thing about spider-man is that he goes through tragedy on a regular basis uh life turned upside down everywhere he turns whether he loses control of himself and becomes an asshole to everyone he cares about whether he whether he has the death death of a loved one uh his uncle or his girlfriend uh gwen stacy whether spoilers by the way for the 70s comic books <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, i've got to shut this off <laughs> that's why people like characters like that who have to go through these these struggles that are so painful and would almost be unbearable but that you still find a way that, that's why we resonate with stories like that is because that's something that we have to do within ourselves you know like it's it's a calling to do something to just get up when when you fall yeah i don't know where i read this but the the times when you reveal character most are the times where you break character uh like someone who's really shy and quiet if something happens that makes them need to stand up and speak up, then that reveals a lot about them. And uh, when something tragic or sad happens, then there, you know, I think it's common, like you're not being yourself. Like that's a phrase that you'll hear when someone is 
like really upset about something or something is affecting them greatly because they're defining themselves in that moment by whatever event happened or whatever other person is influencing them rather than this truth of who they really are. But is that who they really are? Because there's, there can be a difference between your, your conscious, who you, who you know yourself to be and an action that you did. Like at what point is there a separation of those two things? I think those are separate things that you're talking about, like other people's perception of you versus the truth of who you are. Yeah, like But that's a very important thing though cuz you know, we're social animals, so perception is a huge play into these identities. And we're so malleable. We change. Yeah. I'm I'm a completely different person than I was 5 months 5 6 months ago, let alone uh, let alone like 4 years ago, you know? I mean, I understand what you're saying and I I've felt the same way multiple times, but there at the same time you know, we make friends, we build relationships, and there's a truth to us that people close to us can see. And I think one of the most important relationships in my life, like my last like romantic relationship, my last girlfriend, that was something that I learned a lot from her that I appreciate that I we were together during a very turbulent time in my life when there was a lot of change and a lot of learning I was doing. And throughout that whole time, she was uh, like very supportive. And I was supportive of her too. Like It wasn't just one-sided. We both helped each other a lot. But it helped me realize that there are certain people that you meet that can just know and feel this truth about you. And, you know, you and I have been friends for a lot of years already, and both of us have grown and changed during this time, but we're still friends with each other. And I think there's a truth between people that you can understand, even if a bunch of little things are changing, you know? But then there's people who change so, so drastically. You have to wonder if if it's something that was there all along, you know? I think... Some people are told they're one thing their whole lives, and then, you know, they discover that they're something else. I think that's one factor. Another one could be, uh, they start again, just it. an environment that changes this person, and they get caught up in a new pattern of thinking in something that makes them not who they're supposed to be. Someone who even they themselves don't like. I think that's what people talk about when... You know, every person has the potential to do something amazing because there's this truth you need to try and reach, you know? Yeah. There's this authenticity uh, or knowing yourself, being comfortable with yourself that I think everyone is trying to reach. And it's a beautiful thing when that can happen. But I don't know how many people... I, I think that's like the enlightenment i think when you're perfectly not perfectly happy that's not what enlightenment is but the idea of uh just acceptance yeah acceptance not letting these things get in your way you know that it's there but it's it's a it's not the thing that's in front of your feet yeah because something i've learned about myself recently is i can get caught up in not caught up in events around me, but 
okay, I can't, I can't think of the exact word I want to say, but getting caught up in the moment and rather than, I don't know, I'm trying to, I can't phrase what I'm trying to say exactly. I think that we're coming to a layer of the conversation where I'm starting to lose track. <laughs> I drew a wolf, man. Whoa, when'd you draw that? As we're talking. As we that's cool. I'm gonna put that on screen. That's cool. Talking about dreams uh got me it, when we started talking about like that dark and mysterious stuff, I got thinking about what kind of like beings are there. <laughs> The shadow people in the corner of your eye? <laughs> yeah, those guys. <laughs> Is that what they look like? Yeah, they're all a bunch of buff wolfmen. <laughs> I'm I'm happy that I got this tablet recently so I could practice doing some more digital art. That's been fun. Uh, I'm not really drawing forms yet, but I'm more drawing... Just these things I like to see, these things I like to look at. That's fun. By the way, uh, I told you that I got a new sketchbook. This is the new sketchbook. I don't know, bro. Looks kind of pretentious. I'm happy that I have something to just draw in. This is the first drawing I did in here. And there's smoke in the back. Smoke in the back is cool, but it's probably just because there's a lot of fires in our area, man. There's a lot of fucking fires. Is that why you're drawing smoke plumes? I think so, because like seeing seeing smoke in the air, like seeing just a bunch, like a town-sized plume of smoke in your sky, that's some meaningful imagery. It pulls you out of yourself. Like, man, look at this thing that's bigger than anything I could do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that time I went to go help the like fireman. Acres. You know, like I I knew there was something out there that's bigger than like I gave up part of myself. I gave up part of my consciousness to go, like, go there. Uh, I had my own little call to adventure once upon a time uh, in 2016. Uh, there was a fire in Calabasas, California, uh, a town where a lot of celebrities live, just on the outskirts of Los Angeles. And I was driving home from work that day, I think. And I just saw a fire. You worked in Calabasas. Yeah, yeah, I, I worked at Corner Bakery in Calabasas. And I was driving home, <laughs> and I actually stopped at the other Corner Bakery that's closer to my house to get a cinnamon roll. Because uh, we were sold out at mine, so, you know, I I wanted to get my fix. Uh, I went there, and then I just saw smoke in, that, in the direction I came from. And I went home, changed my work uniform, and then went went back out to the fire with the intent of recording it, you know, and trying to send it to news stations just in case they they need footage of this thing. Uh, so I go out there and start filming, uh, with my phone, and then the uh, I'm out by Calabasas High School and the fire's just I, I'm looking. This school is like on the, on a side road in a woodsy area, like in a forest. And through the forest, I can just see, like, the red glow coming more, like, closer. And then a small fire truck comes. Uh, some firemen come out of it. They start, like, investigating the area, and I, I kind of, like, go and follow them to see what they're doing. And then, uh, and then they call in another fire truck. And then, like, one of the big, you know, like, the, there's those short fire trucks, and then there's, like, the, the big ones. So... 
then a big one comes and the the fires are coming and there there's a fireman there who starts to get his hose from the truck and it's stuck and he's having trouble getting it so me and a bunch of other people who were there watching like all pitched in and uh helped carry the hose with the fireman so we could get there quicker you know like lighten the load for him and at one point we were all just like we were all just like feeding him the hose uh and yeah we we all helped we all helped uh the la fire department that day put out some fires man weiss weiss went out and he did a big man thing like i i would have never expected myself to do that it just happened stuff was happening and you did something yeah but you know like that's that's like a thing that's bigger than yourself you know that's the thing that you, you allow your consciousness to have like a smaller uh, like a looser grip on things you know yeah and then that's the interesting thing even though you feel like your ego having a looser grip your consciousness not being as present it still reveals a lot about your character yeah, because it's showing what's there under the surface. Action. It's uh, it's stuff that's... Actions speak louder than words. <laughs> that's the moral of this podcast. Like, these, these elements of character that go beyond the surface, beyond what you say, what you think, and even consciousness, all this stuff... Like I'm I'm glad this is how we chose to talk about 1001 Nights cuz I'm going to leave a link to the film in the description. W- would you like to have a unanimous uh recommendation of that? 1001 Nights is the topic of discussion this week and it's also our recommendation. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, uh if if for whatever reason you're at the end of the video, before the beginning of the video, uh, go watch it and then come back to our conversation. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll edit this at the beginning, but uh, just this little recommendation here. Before listening to the podcast, we recommend watching 1001 Nights. It's only about 20 minutes. The link is below. And then coming back. It's only 20 minutes. Go check it out yeah okay and now we're back in the present (laughs) but it's by the way i I think you should keep that clip in the present so they know what we did (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna copy it twice (laughs) i I mean there isn't really anything to spoil even just because you just got to watch it and this whole podcast in a really abstract way has been our discussion on a thousand one nights and dreams and self and character and stuff for for people who don't know we could get into the plot of the story um although it's not it's secondary to the relationship between the visuals and the musical score um this experience is mostly about how those two things interact so I wanted to say yes. that 1001 Nights, 
the really fascinating thing about it is that expression of character and self dreams consciousness uh it feels really raw and my favorite thing about it is that it feels like the visual experience feels like reading without punctuation and i don't mean that as an insult i mean that just as an interesting texture for the experience because it's so continuous and it's constantly changing and i feel like the characters in this are very much the same uh, constantly changing transforming metamorphosizing and that's what we were discussing too how people and you know ourselves included are constantly moving and changing and adapting to read into that more okay so the plot is about there's this girl dreaming and in her dreams there's this fantastic town uh fantastic in like the, the traditional sense of the word like it's there there's it's crazy. larger than life yeah and uh this this black storm appears and emerging from that like that storm is the essence of the devil for the sake of the story and i never thought of that thing as the devil well not the devil but like j that's just something that i can call it the demon the so i okay i'm just gonna call him uh... i thought he was he was the prince honestly when i was watching it i i understood the big that big darkness to be the prince because at the beginning they said that mm. she's dreaming about a former lover and when they're having sex there's this big transformation that they go through and they become like one but also darkness happens but like there's a lot going on there. right after right after they they have sex um so she sees that guy and her essence portrayed as a fairy and the that dark energy's essence portrayed as like a little goblin man uh they go through a chase and then uh there's a sex scene with a and then it just cuts to to a new scene of a of a new character i, I want to say real quick that like the sex scene that we're describing it's very abstract and very beautiful it's not a graphic sex scene or anything uh like there's a lot of like energy and transformation lines and colors like it's very very, it's very interestingly expressive. portrayed. It's very expressive, and that's the most important thing. It, God, it's so abstract, man. Uh, for me, I feel like I expressed how I feel about this throughout the last like hour of discussion. Uh, I want to say this. I want to say this because it sounds really superficial and funny, but I mean it with the absolute most sincerity. I like the colors. I like the colors too. Like it, again, this is like twenty some minutes, so you can just watch it, and it's good. It's on YouTube, and the link is in the description. Yeah, the whole conversation we had, I think, ties in. I I really enjoyed this. <laughs> you could view this like, I mean, this this whole thing is just a ride that you go on. Yeah, we can describe it, but you could just watch it. You you could see the characters and and the story elements as things that we've talked about in this podcast about things that are in your past things that are deep inside that don't 
that don't have to define you, but the struggles of that thing and it, and everything happening subconsciously. For me, I want it to culminate in, I like the colors. Again, it, it sounds really superficial and funny. And I want to say that with the utmost sincerity. That's my verdict. It was hard to follow the first time I saw it, but at this point I've seen it like three or four times and it's something that I would definitely watch again. So I watched it twice and something I didn't tell you, the first time I watched it, I was working on something I was writing and I had it on silent on my bigger monitor here. So I was like kind of watching it and writing down just stuff that I was thinking of. But watching it silently the first time was interesting because just having the visuals just coming at me without the music acting as emotional uh, color to the whole thing. It was interesting to have just the raw visuals without the dramatic attachment of the music. And then watching it the second time with the intended soundtrack, uh, which, fun fact for everybody, the music was scored first and then the animation was done. Uh, the animation was made to accompany the music because uh, it was originally for a concert in 1998. Uh, you could look it up. It was a interesting little read about that. But watching it the second time definitely filled it with grandness because the first time watching it, it was, uh, I mean, both times it's very experiential, of course, but it was filled with a certain grandness with the soundtrack. And I like that. The art book is for sale on eBay. Oh man. By the way, everyone, the reason that we found out about this animation to begin with is because the style of the animation is inspired by uh, paintings, a line of paintings from Yoshitaka Amano, who's one of my favorite fine art painters. I really like looking at his stuff, appreciating his stuff. He first came to fame because he did art for the Final Fantasy games, but he's gone on to do a lot more since then, including art for Vogue magazine and uh, a bunch of different uh, lines of paintings. So I love Yoshitaka Amano. Th throughout his entire body of work, he really does capture a dreamlike state. He's a Japanese artist, but he's really inspired by Western stylings, classic Western styling. And there's a unique texture. It, his drawings look like something you'd see in an, in an illustrated book of fairy tales. Very nice, very like magical, whimsical, very fluid. When I was young and I was a fan of Final Fantasy, looking at Yoshitaka Amano art, like so much brain food for imagination. You know, there's this joke about the development of Final Fantasy VI, which is the best one. Final Fantasy VI is amazing. Uh, there's this joke that the team made because for all the character portraits in the game, they did the in-game portraits first and then Yoshitaka Amano adapted those into illustrations. They made a joke that if they did it the other way around, where Yoshitaka Amano designed the characters and then they did fights, that everyone would have been blonde. <laughs> <laughs> Yoshitaka Amano uh, has a very unique art style. Like you don't see much of it. That that drawing you showed me uh, with the with the sea serpent and the ship. That's very dreamlike. But there's still you can still tell what's going on, and it tells you more of the story the more you look into it. Yeah, I remember a few episodes ago, I was talking about 
how like you make a weaker story when you purposely leave it up to the audience's interpretation just because like if you're not saying anything then well there you go you're not saying anything but the art of yoshitaka amino well first of all the visual experience i mean there's still writing being done but there's a whole different process to something like this versus writing dialogue and scenes out so something like this it's a it's like a different category like imagery colors movement all this stuff it's not saying nothing it's provoking something it's almost like his art does a very fine mixture of capturing and creating because it's I, I earlier i said it looks very raw and his style itself looks really raw because there's very sparse lines and the colors fill the frame a lot rather than looking at lines and portraits themselves like it's an experience unto itself looking at the whole thing and his colors are very vibrant too when he does use them like it's it's so interesting how the sparse line work that Yoshitaka Amino does it conveys a lot of restraint but at the same time a lot of enthusiasm like it just had to come out and we're talking a lot about Yoshitaka Amino but this is a Los Angeles based animation group with directors and composers like all American and they all did a great job interpreting his work into this animation yeah, there, there was actually uh, many techniques used in this film. Um, there was, of course, the use of traditional, like, drawn animation. Um, and, and then there was an effects animation. You had 3D animation for the first scene and then the the repeat of the first scene at the end. And then they used glitter, where uh, glitter animation the same way that I animated with glass. So you put How does that work? A glass, you put a piece of glass. So this is traditional animation filming with a camera, um, with a multiplane camera. So you have, you have a layer below and then you have a piece of glass. And then on that piece of glass, you move around pieces of sand, or in this case, they used glitter. Um, and you move it around to look like, uh, actually motion so they they used glitter to have like a glittery effect on the fairy when she was flying and, and also they also used um paper cutouts yeah i noticed that i feel like a lot of the big changes that occurred during the story were visual like that's how you knew that there was a new world the characters were in not through dialogue and acting it out but through visual style that was cool yeah uh, something i was curious about for a lot of the viewing is you know a lot of it is so fluid uh, like i said earlier the experience of watching this is like reading without punctuation because it's so continuous and sometimes it's blink and you miss something so something like this is it done or was most of this done with the traditional uh, like you draw backgrounds and then you draw characters on top of those or because it looked like it was almost paintings one after another continuous yeah yeah from looking at it that's that's the way i believe it was made one after another continuous 
just straight shoot. Because there's so much variation in the colors. Like the colors, there's different. It looks like there's different shades and pressure in each stroke. It's really mesmerizing. I've I've never seen an artist who who takes me to that same place as Yoshitaka Amano. He he took me somewhere that other artists haven't been able to. Uh, a fun fact for everybody. Uh, Yoshitaka Amano's son, Yumihiko Amano, liked one of Weiss's posts on Instagram. Well, <laughs> not not to brag, but the, the kid of this guy liked my Super Mario <laughs> on oh, Instagram. Yeah. And then I sent him a message saying, I like your artwork. And guess what he said? He said, thanks. <laughs> With an exclamation point. Yeah, Beautiful. we're pretty tight. <laughs> small world. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Every time I say small world, I remember that one time that Kevin and I just happened to be walking around LA and we saw you at an ATM getting money out for the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was awesome. Yeah. That was really cool. What what were you guys down there for? I keep forgetting. Uh, we were planning out our first music. Were you location scouting? No, we were planning out our first music video with Miles. Oh, that was for No Surprises, right? Yep, No Surprises. That's a that's still a good one. That is a good one. People, Angel has worked with some people in the past and has done some good stuff. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll go on to recommendations. Uh, look up 100 Miles, friend of the show, good dude. 100 miles you can find them on youtube spotify soundcloud no surprises i worked on that one with him he also recently put up 444 that was another one i did with him <gasps> oh no i'm still recording but my ipad died uh my phone call with angel is gone and uh weiss weiss's call just cut out so yeah, Weiss will record his recommendation in a bit. Yeah, guys, uh, this week, my recommendation, besides the short film that we've already recommended to you guys, uh, would have to be just go look up some of the artwork by Yoshitaka Amano and just let yourself be in the world that he creates. Just Google search Yoshitaka Amano and let yourself fall down the rabbit hole. So thank you for tuning in this week to the Intermediate Podcast. I'll have a link to 1001 Nights in the description below, along with links to my pages, links to Weiss's pages, a link to No Empirical by Swoon. Uh, thanks for providing the intro and outro music for the podcast, as well as a link to 100 Miles' YouTube channel where you could see his music, uh, work I've done with him. And until next week... Have a good one.